welcome once again to another episode of Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave, and this is where we get a little more insight and get to know the artists a little bit better who are making all the modern prog, metal, and rock that you are hearing on my station on Live 365, The Expanse, on a regular basis. Thank you for joining me. Today, we've got somebody who, honestly, probably amongst the prog world, needs no introduction whatsoever. If you clicked on this link, you saw the name. He's as big as they come. He has been named for 2010 to 2020, one of the two progressive artists of the decade. He's been at this for 25, 30 years at this point, starting with Spock's beard, moving on to solo stuff, forming his own band, the Neil Morse Band, forming a supergroup, Transatlantic, and now forming a second supergroup, Virgilio Morse and Jennings, DMJ for short. Neil was very kind to join me and chat with me a bit about their upcoming second release, Sophomore. It's going to be out November 10th. Talk a little bit of what it was, you know, creative process for that compared to what he's done in the past and how his old influences brought out this new side of him and what it's like stretching himself into an area that he's not generally known for, but has proven to be very adept at. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the one and the only, the legendary Neil Morse. Well, let me say, in the interest of ingratiating myself with you at the outset of this conversation, I want to take a moment and note that you uh, have been recognized as one of the pillars of modern progressive music over the last decade or so, especially in conjunction with your buddy Mike Portnoy. Um, So it's a thrill for me to be talking to you at this point in time. I'm absolutely happy to have you here today, and I thank you for your time. I also want to say that it's not lost on me, the irony that we're primarily going to be talking about an album that one may not traditionally consider to be in the progressive mold. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. (laughs) Well, you know, like, like everyone, I think I uh, enjoy a certain amount of variety. And if I've been working on almost nothing but really intense prog concept albums for a couple of years, <laughs> I like to I like to take a breather and do something that's simpler and easier um you know just free independent songs you know it's just nice yeah uh, yeah I, I you know like just just this morning I wrote like it's just a nice independent sort of song and um so the thing that's great for me about the trio is uh it's such a great outlet for that side of me shall we say right yeah i think i saw one reviewer describe it as you know guys being let off from work to go to recess is kind of uh guys <laughs> breaking loose and stretching out free a little bit yeah and it's interesting that in my world for who i am you know generally uh, progressive rock was considered you know the bands that were originally doing it were stretching beyond really what was considered commercially acceptable yeah uh doing music it you know that was too long for radio and odd time signatures and whatnot and uh now in my world if i do an album like this it's uh you know that's more normal music (laughs) for my audience it doesn't sell nearly as well (laughs) if i do some big progressive crazy thing because that's just you know my particular audience's taste uh, it's just kind of funny though like my uh uncommercial music is my commercial music right <laughs> yeah 
you and it's interesting you bring that up because it's not the first time I've I've spoken to one of the folks in the world of progressive music who's who said something similar that expressed a little bit of I think frustration at times of feeling that their audience pigeonholes them a little bit and reacts a little negatively when they stretch outside of those predetermined boundaries into something that especially something that might be considered more commercial more mainstream has that been a reaction for you as well no not really i have more of an attitude like man i'm thankful that so many people do come along yeah you know i mean the trio records do pretty do you know not like transatlantic or something but they do pretty well and thankful to have an outlet and support from the label and um you know musical taste is a little bit like taste in food or something you know some if it's not to people's tastes i just try to encourage people to just like i do with food hey try it <laughs> you know <laughs> try it the phrase is try before you deny <laughs> yeah try try it before, you know try the check out the the trio stuff and see see what you think before yeah. you you know throw it in because i think it's a really nice project uh and group of guys and uh, the albums are really good yeah yeah it's it's really lovely music and and honestly i i think knowing that your background and interest has included things like you know acoustic rock or country or folk and especially crosby stills and nash and honestly the first time i heard you guys i went holy smokes you know like it's the new crosby stills and nash the vocal harmonies were that gorgeous and you know this far into your career what what was it that said you know what now's the time to do this and and how did you decide that ross jennings is the person that you wanted to pull in with you and nick because i know it started between you and nick and he was kind of the third one so you reached out so i'm curious how you determined that now was the time in your career to do this right well you know we've always done a lot of three-part harmony in in all the way back yeah in spock's beard i remember singing Crosby, Stills, and Nash songs when we were just hanging out, like, uh, with Nick and my brother Alan. And uh, that was what inspired me to write June, which was initially just, I was thinking, you know, in the very early days of Spock's Beard, we only had long songs. The first yeah. was all long songs. And I thought, well, the audience probably could use a break for their ears. <laughs> so I originally wrote June just to give people a break uh, and then it wound up being becoming very popular, of course. But um, yeah, well, you know, like I said, I've always enjoyed those those, those albums. It's some of my favorite music. Uh, but you know, I've been a harmony guy since the very beginning. You know, the Beatles did all and all their three part stuff and two part right. stuff. Well, and then Yes had a lot of three part uh, vocals. Um, of course, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but. Uh, there's another one that I'm not putting my finger on right now, but anyway, I've, we, I've always, uh, you know, really loved that kind of thing. So it's not really new for me. Yeah. What happened, what happened this time was I wrote two or three songs in that vein. Everything I am being one of them. Yeah. And, uh, I think, um, one of the other ones from the first record and, uh, I thought, Oh, that'd be, that'd be a really, I, I, it was just totally, I would just, I'd like to do this. Yeah. So I talked to Nick and how Ross came in. Um, of course, I met Ross many times. We toured together 
um, there was uh, a time when um, Haken opened for NMB, I believe it was. Uh, you know, so we've been around each other quite a bit and on the cruise, on cruise to the edge uh, also. Um, and I just always really enjoyed his company. And, but it really, it was because of an interview like this. Uh, Inside Out for the absolute Transatlantic Absolute Universe had this idea to have all the guys be interviewed by a peer of theirs. Um, and so I had just watched a little bit of Mike being interviewed by Ross. Oh, wow. And so Ross, that, that, I think that was in maybe November or December of whatever year that was. And then we started working on this in January. So it was pretty, pretty quick, but he came to my mind really because of that. Yeah. I thought, Oh wow. I wonder if he'd even be interested in this kind of a project. And so I emailed him and, and he got immediately back like, Oh dude, I would, I'm so into that kind of music. You don't even know, uh, you know, cause you wouldn't necessarily know that from uh, hearing what he's done with Haken. Yeah. Anyway. So he was, he was like, I'm already working on an acoustic album. I mean, it was just, the timing was just, yeah. just amazing. And uh, yeah. And what a perfect, perfect thing, you know, um, it was pretty amazing how it all came together because you're looking not just for singers, but all artists, right? Because that, that's part of the appeal of the whole thing is it's this kind of melting pot of writers as well as vocals. And, uh, so yeah, I think it, the first time I heard us, I didn't, <laughs> you probably know this cause I've said it many times, but yeah. I didn't hear our vocal blend until, uh, we were almost done, you know, ready to deliver the album to be mixed because Nick didn't do his vocals until hmm. the very end. That was the last thing that he did. Uh, okay. So I never heard the three of us singing together until, you know, six months or something after we signed a record deal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And the vocal blend, of course, with like, as you mentioned, is the whole thing with a record like this. Yeah. But I had faith. I just knew, I knew Nick was going to sound great on the top. I mean, everybody knows that. Sure, sure. And, and I knew from other, from the demos and things that I'd heard that Ross was going to be perfect in the middle. And I really liked everybody's songs. And so I wasn't really shocked, but I was a little bit shocked when I finally put the three vocals up and went. I, I can imagine. I mean, I wasn't sure what yeah. to expect when I first heard about the project either. And then the first song dropped and I went, holy smokes. Like I didn't necessarily anticipate that blend. It, I honestly, for me, it was, it was magic of Crosby, Stills and Nash all over again, which just floored me. And it's just such a gorgeous song. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the thing that's amazing to me at this moment as well as I think back. I, like, I look back at what you've been doing the last couple of years, and you've, you've put out an album with Transatlantic. You've put out a studio album and a live album with Neil Morse Band. You've done a solo project, which just dropped a few months ago, and there's another half of that coming next year. You've done Troika, and now a second album with these guys. And I'm flabbergasted at that output. And the fact that I, I'm not altogether sure that's different than your speed of output over the last 20, 25 years, which is amazing. I'm just imagining you're someone who, almost as you said just now, like someone who's constantly writing songs and song ideas, and you've got like this locker full of them ready to pull out at a moment's notice. And for you going in the studio is like a lot of us treat going to a pickup basketball game or something like that. You just hit it and go boom, and you're, you're off and running. 
is that it? Is that what's going on here? Are you that that productive? I guess. Well, I'm. I am produ- productive writing wise. Yeah. I mean, and it's what I. It's it's just what I enjoy doing. So. Yeah. Um, you know, like you know how they say, find. Find find a job that's what not just what you love to do, but like the thing that when you're doing it, uh, like time just flies by and you know, it's, it's like the water that you swim in and so your natural thing. And that's what writing is for me. I can't say that recording is as easy as that. Mm -hmm. Uh, the implementation can be a lot of work, you know, I'll hear, you know, hearing something and then realizing it, you know, on tape, so to speak, that, uh, that's more difficult and requires a lot of coordination of other artists and um, that's just a different kettle of fish really yeah. um, and I enjoy that too but not nearly as much as you know, my favorite my favorite part is the initial writing right uh, and I think partly because it I love the time when you're just in it and it doesn't have to be great yet it doesn't even have to be good yet you know, there's not, there's no pressure of any of that stuff, which comes later when you're making the record. Like, is this mix good enough? Uh, right. You know, is this vocal good enough? There's a lot of that. And, you know, you do that with the song when you're, after you've done with it, really. Right. But I, really, I don't really do that so much when I'm writing, when I'm writing, it's much more uh, kind of spontaneous and impulsive. And I really enjoy that part. Yeah. Interesting. It gives me, gives me a thought that, you have some perfectionistic tendencies, maybe a lot of artists I know do, but it sounds like for you, the creative part is easier than getting that final presentation ready to show the world. Well, yeah, because then there's the, you know, you listen to some records and you just think I do anyway. I just think, wow, that's a perfect record. Yeah. You know, you're, it's like, you're always in search of the perfect record in the same way you're in search of the perfect song. Maybe I find that a little bit easier in my own mind, <laughs> yeah. not, not like it's like all these songs I've written are perfect in any stretch, but I find it a little easier. I think uh, the chasing after the perfect recording is a little more elusive for me. Right. And it's amazing because that tendency towards, you know, really wanting to fine tune and be perfectionistic doesn't seem to interrupt your efficiency. In most cases, it often does for people. It slows them down so much they can hardly get something done. I've known people that are still mixing albums for months on end, trying to get it perfect, and delays it getting out. But it doesn't seem yeah. to slow you down. Well, I talk about that a lot. Like with the when I do a, ra- a master class thing, um, the Radiant School, it's called. Uh, you know, and I'll have a bunch of artists in there, writers and guys that want to learn, of course. And and one of the things I talk about, like. Man, you can be, you can be Mozart, but if you don't finish something and get it out, it's very, it can be very difficult people. I know really, really talented people, um, super virtuoso composers and players, but a lot of people do have trouble saying, okay, this is done. Yeah. Okay. Here it is world. You know, <laughs> and I guess I've been blessed. I've noticed that about myself. Like I have an impulse. It's hard for me to leave things unfinished. Even if I have a song idea that I don't even like that much or I'm not sure about, 
Yeah. I just have this, I have a compulsion to finish it to a place where I can maybe do a voice memo or exist somewhere. You know, I've got the lyric, you know, I, I, until that point, something in me can't rest. Yeah. Wow. So it's that drive that keeps you moving as well. It's a nice balance, I think, in some ways. Well, and the other thing is, and this is a great thing, you know, that I'm just so thankful for. Part of it is having the time. Mm. Yeah. Having the time. You know, people will say, uh, like yourself, uh, wow, how do you do, uh, you know, put out as much stuff? Like, well, if you're working on music every day, you know, you, you can, and if you think about it, a lot of great, even even progressive rock, even themes, really great themes, they don't they come out. They, you know, it doesn't take, and even an hour, you you get some inspiration and you hear a theme, hmm. um, you know, or or a song. You know, most most of our favorite songs were written in an hour or two. Wow, really? I mean, yeah, if you yeah. read you know, from songwriters, usually it's like, oh yeah, you know, John Lennon, I was inspired with, with help. I had the first bit and I was done in 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, uh, and <laughs> Elton John, all, a lot of, a lot of our favorite songs were written very quickly. So the, uh, it's all about whether the inspiration's coming, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it, it doesn't take that long. You could potentially, uh, and I think a lot of times, and I talk about this too in the class, uh, we put limits on how much people can do, how much we can do, yeah. and how much others can do. And uh, it's funny, funny, it's something that stayed with me from ages ago. I think it was about L. Ron Hubbard, the Scientology guy. Oh, like, wow. he dictated like 60 books before he died or, or something. Like, you know, I don't know if they're any good. I don't know anything about it, but I, the right, point right. is, uh, and it, I, I don't know where I read it, but he, he, he had said, oh, yeah, well, that's because I don't have any limitations on myself. Why not? Yeah. Why, why can't you dictate a book in two days? I mean, I'm like, well, I guess it's possible. <laughs> so, sure. So it's kind of like that. It's like, well, well, you know what? What can God do through me? Yeah. His, he has no limitations. I get really excited about that. <laughs> you know, right. that's the, the excited thing about creativity and spirituality is that there's no limit right all the limits are up here we got to take those off and see what's possible yeah good point and and i think for a lot of us observing and watching uh, we probably tend to project our own limitations onto others so that's a part of me that says i i know for me if i came up with three original musical ideas in my lifetime i'm probably surprised and the fact that you could probably do three of them before breakfast <laughs> amazes me. So that's, you know, like that maybe I'm too limited in my ability or maybe I'm too limited in my thought. I'm not sure which I haven't fully tested it mostly because I can't write music, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, that, that's really, you know, I'm not saying that everybody can do everything because we sure. can all, I think, you know, we can operate in, in the gifting that we, have been given this is the way i see it but uh inside of that man i mean the sky really is the limit and so i just encourage people in that way yeah that's awesome 
That's really cool. So obviously you enjoyed the process working with Nick and Ross, um, particularly in this particular grouping, this trio. So, I mean, we're not even at the second anniversary of Troika's release. So you guys got back together pretty quickly. And I'm wondering how that familiarity that was established in the first go around, how did that impact the second trip around for you? Well, they were both really, to, you know, compared to some of, especially compared, which we shouldn't compare. It's always unwise to compare. <laughs> <laughs> compared to other records um, that I've been involved with, uh, the the uh, DMJ stuff is just so easy because, well, first of all, the instrumentation yeah. and, and the songs are e- easier and simpler, first of all. But not only that, but, you know, like on the Joseph albums, it's like I'm trying, I'm building two mansions by myself, mm. practically. Like I'm bringing in guys to put the windows in and I'm maybe bringing a guy to do the floor, yeah. but the, everything else I'm doing myself, <laughs> you know, so it's just like, wow, super labor intensive. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. I just felt like that's how that should be. So every record's different but with uh, dmj you know they do a bunch of the building they send sometimes almost finished tracks and i'll listen and go okay i'll add a little organ and i'll sing the bottom part and i'm you know yeah. you know it's pretty amazing that's awesome. how uh easy and nice and i think that's one of the appeals of making these albums for all of us but they were both really like that um, we send songs around, we pick them pretty easily. We generally agree on what songs are good. And then we're, you know, we're doing it all file sharing and right, right. which maybe, you know, there, there's, there's things to be said for that, things to be said against that. But with, uh, especially with Ross being in London, I think it's kind of a little bit prohibitive for us to, us to get together. Uh, frankly, we don't have a huge budget. Sure. So, um, you know, we're dealing with what we're dealing with, but I think we're all really happy with it too. It's yeah. like, you know, if you, it's all about when you put up the tracks or you're like going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're having plenty of that. That's nice. I like that. And I imagine in this modern world, it, there's that opportunity that, you know, as you guys are doing whatever you're doing. Cause I know Haken's been busy touring heavily and you've been busy and, and everybody's busy, but I imagine there's that opportunity that is supported now where people can, one of you can wake up one morning, like you said, <clears throat> pardon me, write something and go, you know, this would really be cool for DMJ. Let me shoot this out to the guys and give a listen. And you're essentially accruing an album maybe over the course of a year or two, just little by little. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, how, that's how that was. I, um, like, uh, hard to be easy. I, I wrote, um, whenever NMB was on tour, I think it was, june of the of that year you know what we didn't start really working on it together for many months later um so it was like that yeah there was so you know then you know songs that had come from here and there and i'm sure it was the the same for them yeah uh yeah it's just great to have such great people to as i mean just imagine you know (laughs) hey you call 
you know, that's, that's one thing that, that's so great about getting to a certain level in your career is you could call people up and, you know, as talented as these guys and they're, and they want to, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's, that's awesome. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Who yeah. was it? I was, I was seeing it and there was an actor that was saw interviewed said something like that uh, recently too. It's like, well, one of the great things about, you know, reaching a certain level, that's one of the best is that, yeah. You know, you can kind of, uh, if there's somebody that you want to work with, and I'm not really quite there. I mean, there's, you know, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's like I can't call up Peter Gabriel and he'll say, oh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, oh, and now you've just set up a whole fantasy scenario where a lot of people are hearing this and going, yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I would want to do that. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Sure, Peter Gabriel would say, Neil, who? But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful project. And we're we're all really happy about it. Yeah, it's uh, I imagine that's a much nicer working process, too, because I, I mean, I read about albums being recorded, quote unquote, back in the day, you know, 70s, 80s and things like that. And the idea that people basically got to a point where, all right, it's time to make an album. Let's go to the studio. And they start writing there. Like the creative process started there. I'm sitting there thinking, how do you just turn on the creativity and start doing something on a timeline? Like that knocks me out, but I, I have to imagine this is a much more relaxed process for everybody involved. Yeah, it definitely is. I've done quite a few records in that way too. Yeah, have you? The Flying Colors albums are all like that. Oh, no kidding, okay. People, you know, well, the first record we had some, you know, pretty good chunks of demos to work from. But after that, uh, we're writing in the room together. And it, again, it's all about if the magic is happening. Yeah. And nice. uh, NMB's done a lot of that too. Just let's just come together. Sometimes I will, I'll feel, I'll pray about it and feel like I shouldn't have, I don't come in with anything. All right. Watch what happens and just, you know, contribute in the room because there's something about that space. That's really great yeah. too, because it's a, it's an opening for everyone to contribute. Whereas if I come in with a bunch of finished songs, there's not a lot of as much room. Right. That makes sense. I get that. I, I, it's an interesting perspective. I hadn't considered again, haven't done what you've done. So it's like, I can only see this from the outsider's perspective and it's very interesting to hear but it makes a lot of sense in my mind as well to come in with that blank slate. Personally, I'm intimidated with a blank slate. <laughs> I've always been because uh, I want to go in too many directions at once. Well, I get it, especially, you know, like when we were scheduled to do the first transatlantic album, uh, Mike was at the kind of, you know, really at the height maybe of his, you know, success in DT at the time. And I I don't remember how many days he allotted for us, but it was not very many, mm. like maybe four. Oh, wow. And I, I, I got there early and stayed after as did some of the other guys to work on some of the stuff, but we didn't have many days all together. And I was, I was nervous that unless I came in with a bunch of stuff that we could just play, we wouldn't be able to make a great record uh, or a record at all. Actually. Right we wouldn't be able to finish anything and it was going to be super hard and expensive to try to get back together. So I felt a lot of pressure 
back then. But I've, I, I think I've learned to trust more over the years. But I, because when you feel that pressure, you know you're not going to be your kindest. Mm. You know, you're going to yeah, be, yeah. you cry as you might, that tension's going to show up somewhere and usually not in good ways. Yeah. Well, the upside is those stressful situations can teach us some things and that's how you find your Zen later, so to speak. You know, you, well, you know, yeah. I survived this. I can do it. Sometimes, sometimes the deadline really works for you. Yeah. You know, like if you wouldn't have had the deadline, you wouldn't have got up at five in the morning to try to finish writing this thing. And, you know, that, that becomes part of it too. It's, yeah, it's all different every time. Yeah. I can imagine. <clears throat> pardon me again speaking of di- <clears throat> pardon me speaking of different is it my imagination or does the new record new record here's showing my age it's a new album pushing a little bit into grittier harder territory and a little bit more country i feel like you've kind of taken the original core and pushed out a little more into those various specific uh elements i guess i'll say is that me is that or is that what really happened you found going on then was that intentional I don't know. I'd have to really give credit to Ross and Nick for that. Yeah. Because the songs that I wrote are, I wouldn't say are really like reaching beyond the boundaries of what we already did, just to be honest. Right. Uh, it was really their stuff, like Nick's mama, you know, it was different and edgy mm-hmm. and yeah. really cool and kind of Neil Young-ish to me. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Uh, Man, Ross's uh, weighs me down is so different, and uh, that that whole fade is so just the whole way that Jerry Gidros mixed it too is just nice. really you know new territory. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Uh, but I have to give the credit to those guys for that. That's very cool, though. I like it. I like to see that expansion a little bit. Yeah, uh, being mindful of your time here, I know we're we're coming up, but. I figure I would be much remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity uh, to talk about, uh, as I hear the announcement just went out, Morsefest will be doing a uh, very first uh, event in the UK. How exciting is that? Uh, what are you yeah. able to share about that at this time? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it just went on sale. Um, I came home from Morsefest in the Netherlands that we did in August, exhausted, but almost immediately felt inside like we should do more while we have this opportunity uh, and we uh, have all the music in our hands, uh, we should do more. And I know it's some months away as is necessary, but yeah, yeah, I started reaching out and now we're doing a Morsefest London, uh, January 12th and 13th of 2024. And uh, you can of course find it all on, on the web and we're going to do testimony and testimony too. We're really going to do the same material, uh, because it was so off the chart blessed wow so i if, if anybody can get there you should get there because i'm sure it's the last time i'm pretty sure it's the last time we'll do those two albums together in this mm. configuration and the the concerts that we did in august were insane it was so great wow. so yeah um yeah well great excellent well thank you very much for your time sir i i really enjoyed the conversation with you today i i been a thrill as i noted because it's i've been a fan of you with and without spock's beard for 20 years almost at this point in time 
uh, and I've been a close follower. Uh, so it's it's really, really awesome to get to talk to you. And I, I hope sophomore is every bit as successful as Troika, even more so. Uh, it comes out, what, November 10th, if memory serves, correct? That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Best wishes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your kind words. I appreciate it as well. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Have a good one, man. And there you go. What a gentleman. Every bit as nice as you could have hoped him to be. I really enjoyed this conversation with Neil and learning about what he's been doing and what's going on with DMJ, how it came to be. Very cool time. Thank you for joining me for that. And Neil, thank you very much for your time. I very much appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, sir. I wish you and the guys the best with sophomore. I hope it's every bit as successful, even more so than Troika. And I hope Morsefest in UK is a big success. Have a great time with that. I wish I could be there. And with everything else you're going to be doing, I have no doubt in the very near future. Thank you again, sir. Meanwhile, don't forget, check me out. Social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Just search Bleeding Edge. It's done a couple of different ways, but, but you could probably dig it up if you search hard enough. No problem there. Also, if you want to, if you want to see the video versions of this or the other videos I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Bleeding Edge Interviews, search me out, check it out, you get to see my pretty face, ah, along with the other things I'll be doing there. Videos will come out hopefully a couple times a week, but we'll see how things go. Meanwhile, too, I mentioned the Expanse on Live 365. That's my all frog all the time channel. Go check that out. Enjoy. And that's all I got for you right now. And for now, this is Super Dave saying. Deviate from the norm, keep it proggy, I'm signing off.